Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is Thursday, August the 15th, 2019. I'm going to hit a number of headlines here in quick succession at the opening of the hour in order that uh, we can move into conversations with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. Um, He and I are going to uh, absolutely talk about the drop in the Dow, uh, and we are going to talk about the uh, inversion in the bond market, and then I think both of us are probably likely to say, um, hold on to your hat. It's going to be a rocky ride, um, but that's sort of what the nature of uh, economic markets is today. And so although you might like calm seas, these are going to be uh, somewhat choppy waters, and that's because we live in a time of genuinely global financial markets, and what is, what happens in Hong Kong matters here. What happens in Britain matters here. What happens in Venezuela matters here, on and on and on. So uh, we're, we will uh, we will take that up as well as uh, headlines related to transgender uh, people who identify as transgender and their desire to use bathrooms um, that do not align with their biological sex. We're also going to talk about parental rights. So all of that is coming up in my first conversation with Ben Johnson. So let me hit a couple of headlines uh, with you before we get to that conversation You're going to see a headline uh, about a miracle baby who actually just celebrated her first birthday after doctors took her off life support um, when she was eight months old and expected her not to survive. And so um, I think that's a good news story that we could we could lift up today as pro-life people. The headline on CNN is a Maryland baby taken off life support, was not expected to survive, and now she's about to have her first birthday. It's also covered in a number of other news outlets across the country. So certainly want to be celebrating. Monique Goldring uh, and her daughter. Uh, Monique is actually the mom, and uh, we just want to celebrate her um, her expressions of faith and the use of the word miracle. Anytime you see the use of the word miracle, or anytime you see the use of language like uh, Good Samaritan, there's all kinds of language out there in the culture that's biblical language. And it, it it's our responsibility as Christians to lift it up and point it out. When a secular world and a secular media is willing to use the word miracle, <laughs> that's an invitation, folks. That's an invitation to walk into that conversation and say, hey, uh, I actually know who's behind that. I, I believe in a supernatural reality and uh, you and I, you and I are the people who have an opportunity to bring the eternal to bear on the everyday. Like we help people reconnect realities that for most people are totally disconnected. Most folks walking around in the world today um, either do not know there's a God in heaven or they certainly have not met him. They're not in an intimate fellowship with him. You are. Through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in intimate fellowship with the Father. And so it's your it should be your joyful responsibility. It's certainly your responsibility, whether or not you receive it as joyful, you know, maybe as a conversation for another day. I receive it as a joyful responsibility every single day 
to help people reconnect the eternal with the everyday and to do so in ways that um, I certainly hope honor Jesus. That's that's my goal. That's my why. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, all right. So you are going to uh, also see uh, headlines today. Let me scroll up on my little headline page. I've got uh, I got pulled up in front of me. You're going to see headlines about the economy. You're going to see headlines about Philadelphia police officers um, shot in the line of duty. Let's be lifting them up in prayer. You're going to see that uh, more than 400 lawsuits were filed in New York yesterday. I told you that they, a law was going into effect in New York where victims of uh, sexual abuse when they were children who are now adult survivors had the op- have the opportunity for one year, no matter how long ago the abuse took place, they have an opportunity to file those lawsuits. And uh, 400 of those lawsuits were filed yesterday. This uh, this window of opportunity is going to be open for a one-year period of time. Uh, and state officials uh, said that many of those lawsuits are um, uh, will be dealt with, um, sort of taking priority over other cases currently before the court. So that is going to be an interesting process to watch uh, as justice delayed for these individuals will now result in justice delayed for others. I mean, I just know that that's we're going to hear about that. So I'm just lifting it up to you um, in Hong Kong. Let me bring you up to speed there before we uh, take a break and turn to our conversation with Ben Johnson. China, as we uh, as we alluded to yesterday and have been talking about for a number of days now, China has now sent large numbers of paramilitary forces close to the border with Hong Kong. Uh, and so we need to be um, we certainly need to be continuing to pray about this situation it, it's it's intended to send a message to protesters in Hong Kong. The question is whether or not the 1.5 million member paramilitary force of the government of the People's uh, Republic of China, which is known as the People's Armed Police Force, whether or not they are actually going to deploy the army against their own people in Hong Kong. Let us be praying that that certainly not happen. Next up, Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. We'll be right back. This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson is back with us from the Acton Institute. You can find him at acton.org. Hey, Ben, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Let's, uh, let's lead off with a conversation about the U.S. economy and yesterday's bond market inversion in the drop of the Dow and today's futures numbers. I mean, you know, it's economics. It's Econ 101. Um, I don't know. Give us your uh, give us your take. The market is not looking good. The uh, Dow, as you mentioned, has uh, been down, but it's not just the United States. In fact, it's all over the world. We're seeing, for example, today Asia had its worst day uh, in terms of its economic stock market. The worst day of the year was today. Uh, in Germany, you're seeing negative economic growth. The U.K. had a quarter of negative economic growth. If that repeats, they will be in recession. There are concerns that Italy is heading back for a recession. In the United States, uh, due to a number of factors, we've had a, a, a shift in uh, what they talk about in, in terms of the yield curve, which is that if you were to buy a U.S. Treasury bond, the two-year yield is usually much less than 30 years. After all, if you're willing to invest in 30 years, they, you think you deserve to get more money back in return. Instead, uh, that has inverted. Uh, for the first time ever, uh, we've had the, the, lowest, uh, the lowest possible yield, re- yield rate on a 30-year U.S. bond. It's below 2%. It's the first time that has ever happened. That happened today. 
So all of those are negative, uh, negative factors leaning uh, or obviating in the direction that we're headed toward a global slowdown, possibly a, a global recession, but very clearly a, a slowdown that's uh, not just localized, but all over the world for the reason that you mentioned in your opening, which is we have a global economy. What happens in one nation affects others. And so when, uh, when there's a trade war, uh, then that, uh, that affects not just the, the nations involved, but in fact all of the peripheral partners uh, that are involved. And I, I think there's something a little bit deeper even than that, which is we're seeing a decoupling of the United States from China which has a broad impact of, of a total, totally reorganizing the global order. So, for example, China's been our top trading partner for decades now. Firms are fleeing China because, in part of, because of the tariffs that we have, in part because uh, those workers are prospering and able to ask for higher wages and other nations offer lower wages. So firms are fleeing China, going to places like Vietnam, which is somewhat problematic for us, but less so Taiwan, certainly, or Singapore, to some extent even Mexico. And China's importing soybeans instead of importing them from the United States in retaliation, they're importing them from Brazil. So you're seeing a total reorientation of the global economy. At the same time, you have Brexit and the threat of a no-deal Brexit, and a similar process is going on there where supply chains are getting closer to home uh, and, and affecting the UK and the continent. So you have all of these aspects and then complete global irresponsibility in the realm of fiscal uh, policy for 30 years or more. Uh, where we have a massive impending deficit that drives inflation and drives down things like uh, our yield curve. So there's, it's, it's a very negative outlook uh, overall. So I think end of that, let us speak the uh, Old Testament story of Joseph, the preparations that he made during years of plenty for years of famine that were ahead that we all might be prepared to share with others in days of need. Um, I mean, I think that there are biblical uh, biblical stories to which we can point in these days. And I also you know, just remind people, let's not be storing up, you know, treasures here on earth. If, you, if you're piling up stuff in barns anyway, uh, maybe you were supposed to be releasing those resources for the good of others. So I think that there are conversations that Christians can have today, um, even if we are in, uh, you know, in what looks like uh, we're headed toward a global economic recession. I think that on other fronts, um, you know, it's an opportunity for Christians to be people of hope and not despair uh, in the midst of, of the conversations of the day. So Ben, I wanna um, I wanna pivot toward uh, the transgender bathroom rights conversation, which continues to uh, make its way through the courts of the United States and the court of public opinion in the United States. Let's do that when we come back from a quick break. I'm talking with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Ben Johnson from the Acton Institute, Ben, we have been uh, we have been watching and talking about stories related to people who identify as a gender other than their biological gender. So they are sort of known uh, in the culture as people who identify as transgender Um, and they assert that if they identify as a man, then even though they are a woman, they should be able to use, um, you know, their preferred bathroom uh, and vice versa. So we have young biological men who want to use women's restrooms in public schools and vice versa. Tell us uh, what has happened recently in terms of these conversations in the courts across the country. Well, in terms of uh, the courts around the country, uh, you're seeing that there's, there's an evolution going on uh, about whether, uh, about the exact extent of, of, um, of policies. And uh, the, good, the good thing is that for the most part, the U.S. government has switched the sides that it's on in the courts. 
Uh, at one time, the uh, U.S. administration and its ample uh, its ample means uh, was was on the side of the activist organizations trying to uh, either pass these laws or more more often simply to write these into uh, into being through administrative processes. They would reinterpret uh, a law on, say, sex discrimination as though it applied to transgenderism. And uh, the Obama administration was very much on the side of the plaintiffs in those cases. Uh, the Trump administration has changed its on the opposite side. What's really heartbreaking is uh, an editorial that was in USA Today recently by a man named Jay Keck. And it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking to read about his daughter came to him in uh, 2016, within about uh, 30 days of the time the Obama administration released its federal guidance to schools on transgender issues, and said that she believed she was a transgender. She had never had any instance of this before, but she had a transgender friend, and suddenly uh, she, by the way, she had underlying uh, uh, mental health issues as well, uh, which she discloses in the piece. Suddenly, through the this influence, she believed that she was transgender, and his school, which is in the state of Illinois, has uh, made it its policy uh, that it would adopt these guidelines, even though they were rescinded by the Trump administration in 2017. They're continuing to operate as though this is the law of the land. One of the things that those guidelines said, and I read them in their entirety when they came out and reported on them, they're more, far more radical than is ever reported in the mainstream media. First of all, they say that there is no minimum guideline or standard. All that someone has to do to be transgender is to say, I am transgender. They don't have to dress an opposite way. It does not need to be insistent, persistent, etc. The moment that a child says that he or she is transgender, that person is considered a member of the opposite sex. Second of all, parents are not to be informed of their children's decision, even if they ask, even if the child is a minor. Uh, it's considered to be a threat to the child's privacy if the parents know how this child is identifying at school. And that's what this gentleman ran into that uh, the school had not only been facilitating this, but in fact had been trying to break up the home. They suggested several halfway houses that she could go to if her parents didn't identify and uh, didn't affirm her choice of, of gender identity. So you have here a government institution to which they are paying taxes, trying in, in its own way to break up their home. Uh, and and uh, the federal guidelines are actually much more radical than that. They apply not only to bathrooms and showers, but also to overnight accommodations. If you go on a field trip, uh, someone someone identifies, suddenly identifies as a member of the opposite sex. You have to allow them to stay in the hotel room of the opposite sex. And it also applies to colleges so that uh, young women who are going to the to report to the dorm room about this time of year, uh, would not be allowed under the uh, Obama administration guidelines to know that their roommate, who's named Jennifer, is in fact a four-year-old man with a beard and a bald spot. Yeah, I it's it, it starts to get um, a little um, Alice in Wonderland uh, when we, you know, I mean, like we've literally gone down the rabbit hole. Things are literally not what they appear. People are not who they appear to be. Um, our eyes deceive us. And, you know, I, I don't know. I read, I read recently that, you know, there are like transgender models now literally on the underwear catwalk. And I'm like, well, I mean, first of all, you know, the fact that we have that is just crazy, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I, let's leave that story right there. Let's let, let, let the story just sit right there because I want to talk with you about Greta Thunberg. Um, for people who don't know, tell them who Greta Thunberg is and tell her, uh, what she has now embarked upon and why those two things are a little bit crazy, which people can go to Acton.org and read your blog about this um, as well. Uh, but tell us who Greta Thunberg is. 
Well, Greta's a 16-year-old girl from Sweden. Uh, she made headlines last year because she's addressed the European Parliament, she's addressed the UN about climate change. And she has said that uh, the parents of the world have abandoned this generation, they have di- they've doomed them, destroyed their future, stolen their future, because they refuse to take climate guidelines as have been uh, laid out by the IPCC on uh, the radical changes that need to be made on the U.S. economy uh, and the global economy, sort of uh, along the lines of the Green New Deal. She has decided that she's going to embark on a trip from Sweden to the United States. She left uh, the port of Plymouth uh, just yesterday, and uh, she's instead of flying, which would be roughly an eight-hour flight in in terms of overall time, she's going to take a zero-carbon emission yacht. It's a $4 million yacht. It will take her two weeks to come here. She's coming in the middle of hurricane season across the Atlantic. Uh, Not only is this incredibly dangerous to her, uh, and the the uh, it, even though it's a four million dollar facility, it has no shower, it has no restroom. She is going to the restroom for two weeks in purple, uh, I'm sorry, in blue plastic buckets. So she's she's going to be doing this in order to come here for a climate summit uh, in September at the United Nations, and to try and get the rest of the world to join in on this climate scheme. So if you crunch the numbers, the Clean Air Force, the Clean Air Task Force did it. She wants uh, a complete. Uh, replacement of carbon fuels with uh, with renewable energy within uh, just a few years. To do that, the Clean, Ta- Clean Air Task Force has estimated right now it costs about $50 per megawatt hour uh, to, to do that under what we have right now. If we were to completely replace our electricity infrastructure with renewable energy the way that Greta is suggesting, it would cost that's a 32% increase in your util- in your utility bill. The average Californian utility bill is $742. It would be $23,744 a month of your utility bill alone. You know, I find myself wondering um, every time I I mean I I know what she's hoping to achieve. Um but she's a child and she doesn't um the consequences of her ideas, right? We talk about ideas and we talk about ideas having consequences. Um, the only reason that she's even in a position to do any of this is because of the privilege of all that she has enjoyed in Sweden, um, it, it, which is a first world country. So every time we have one of these conversations, Ben, you know, I just I recognize the first world desire to keep um, the developing world underdeveloped. Like there's no way you're ever going to develop beyond um, what all the rest of us would consider substandard, unless you're given the opportunity to use the benefits that the rest of us have used to get where we are. Like, I, there's just a part of this that just is mean spirited toward most of the world. Well, it is. And uh, you know, the developing world is really the source of most carbon emission. It's not really the first world right. that's the problem. Uh, right. We have been uh, reducing our carbon emissions. Meanwhile, if you have subsistence farming where people are slashing the rainforest to, in order to simply survive, that's where you get the real carbon emission. Uh, so in, in, this would essentially lock them, as you say, into a subservient position in the world economy, not allow them to flourish. Uh, so it's a massive problem. Second of all, it, it would it would say that nobody could ever cross the Atlantic ever again. Most of us don't have a four million dollar yacht that we can just board or two weeks to go each way uh, in order to uh, to do that. So business is cut off, uh, which we, we talked about the problems of the trade barriers we have now. Imagine the trade deficit we have then. Business leaders couldn't uh, cross the Atlantic. And and then you have what sticks in my craw a little bit, and you pointed your finger on it, which is Greta's 16 years old. Uh, she is susceptible 
to propaganda of the highest order as uh, various people have shown us in their lives before. I don't like when children begin lecturing adults about politics uh, and, and doing so in a castigating way, as she does. She has a very grating manner about her. So did Jonathan Crone, who was the young conservative, was at CPAC a few years ago. I don't like it when it's done on either side. I don't like when children are pretending to dress up like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They're children. Let them be children. Uh, if they're mouthing scripts that other people have obviously written for them, then uh, then that is, uh, to me, that's that's offensive. Uh, for what, what they should be doing is focusing on learning as much as they can. I have no problem with students being active in politics, but uh, we have to realize 16 years old is too young to vote, 16 years old is too young to serve in the military, and 16 years old is too young to be a global expert in climate change. Mm. Amen. All right. So, uh, Ben, thank you so much. As always, you guys can check out what he's doing at blog.acton.org or just acton.org and look for his name. That always works as well. Uh, Ben Johnson, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. You too. We'll be right back. So let's uh, let's enter in for just a moment into the experience of uh, young women who um, for whom the image of father and for whom male voices are um, not positive. Like there's no positive memory there. In fact, there are only traumatic negative uh, negative memories. And then I want you to um, ask yourself as a Christian, how how does God's word speak into that person's life and what if they're not a reader like how are they going to hear god's word um in order to awaken and strengthen their faith if they are genuinely you know women who have suffered abuse and trauma at the hands of men well there is something called the courage for life audio bible it's available now uh it's a really exciting project um, and up next, we are going to be uh, we're going to be talking about it with Ann White from Courage for Life. This is a this is a new resource about which you should be aware, uh, in order that you would be more prepared, uh, equipped, ready via an app on your phone to share the good news of God's word of hope uh, with a woman who has been traumatized or abused. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So we recognize that faith comes by hearing, um, and sometimes we uh, ask ourselves, you know, do I hear with ears that, uh, do I listen with the ears that hear? And so we want to make the Bible more and more accessible to more and more people. And so I'm going to have a conversation in just a minute about making the Bible more accessible to women who have survived abuse and trauma. But we've also got uh, here at Faith Radio... The He Reads Truth Study Bible, which we are giving away copies of. This one is thoughtfully designed for men, um, and it's a great study Bible designed to inspire men to spend daily time in God's Word in order that you might build a deeper relationship with God. So we're giving away one He Reads Truth Study Bible each week this month, and if you'd like to enter to win a copy of that, you can go to MyFaithRadio.com. Again, up next, a Bible designed expressly for women and Um, and offered in a way that is uh, really unique. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We live in a world of more, don't we? Enough is never enough. 
Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. Is there anyone who doesn't want more money? We are always tempted to buy bigger and better, even if what we have is more than enough. We're on this never-ending cycle of more. The Bible is our guide to life, and it's filled with passages about learning to be content with what you have and avoiding greed and materialism, that constant need for more. So in a world filled with so many options to get more, how do you stay content with what you have? One way is to be generous. It could be giving money to support a ministry you care about or donating resources to help those in need. Maybe you volunteer your time and talent to help out at your church. When you give of yourself, you take the focus of your own needs and look at the needs of others. And when you do that, you realize how much you already have instead of feeding the need for more. Ann White is here with me. She is the founder of Courage for Life. You can find them at courageforlife.org. Courage for Life provides Bible studies, devotionals, books, and now an audio Bible, which we're going to discuss today, all in the name of helping individuals thrive and experience courage in all aspects of their life. Again, it's at courageforlife.org. And welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. It's great to be with you this morning. Well, it's absolutely wonderful to have you here. Um, we all acknowledge, you know, the truth of Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes yes. by hearing, uh, and you know, and in order for people to hear, right, we have to supply the Bible in ways that they are actually able to not only comprehend it but apprehend it. And so, in order, in addition to putting like print Bibles out into people's hands, you guys mm-hmm. recognize the need to develop an audio Bible. Tell us about first of all the need you're seeking to meet, and then correct. how you're how you're meeting that need. Yes, that is correct. The women that we work with, and we work with women who have trauma and abuse in their background. And for that very reason, and realizing that gender specific treatment is critical when you're, when you're helping someone heal from that. Well, we know God's word brings the most hope and healing that anyone could receive. It didn't, it transforms lives and makes hearts change. So we knew in our work that not only did we need to put the print Bibles, which we're already doing into the hands of these women, but that we needed to get God's word into their, into their ears in such a way that it's easier for them to receive. So uh, when we talk about um, a Bible that is designed for women who are survivors of, uh, of trauma and abuse, it mm-hmm. it's not lost on me that you have chosen to produce something that is all female voiced. Why is that? Well, certainly because uh, in our work, what we find obviously is that uh, women who've been traumatized need gender specific treatment. So we don't send a man in to counsel a woman who has suffered any type of abuse, neglect or trauma uh, from a male in her life. And so we don't, um, as we were thinking about this, honestly, we really wanted to create something that was very receivable for these women. And we knew a woman's voice would do that. As a matter of fact, if you, if you go and you talk to any advertising agency, they'll tell you if you want to please 92% of the people in an advertising market with a voice, you choose a woman's voice. Women are perceived and often so, you know, more uh, comforting, gentle, and um, and so it's just more receptive. What we're finding, obviously, this was made 
um, with the at-risk woman in mind, realizing that this is going to be a resource for everyone. You know, we all love to listen to God's word. It's just another way for us to take it in and receive it. And so we're finding, um, we've made it available, obviously, on the Courage for Life Bible app on Android or Apple devices. So it's free to anyone who wants to download it. And then we're getting these audio players in or getting these uploaded onto tablets in the prison systems throughout the United States for women. And actually what we're finding is it's working for the men too, because men also, especially our incarcerated men, have also been traumatized by men in their life. Quite often they come from fatherless homes. And so if anyone ever shared Christ with them, it was a woman in their life. It was their grandmother or their aunt or or someone that shared the Lord with them. And so listening to God's word and a woman's voice in the way that we've done it has just been um you know, well, God knew what he was doing when he called us to do this. And so we simply answered the call and got started. I'm talking with Ann White. The website is courageforlife.org. And what is the uh, what is the app? If I were to go to my Google Play or I were to go to my uh, to go to the app store, what um, what would I be looking for? What's the name of the app? Well, it's Courage for Life Bible. And you can also text. We have a text back campaign right now going on that if you text the word Bible to the numbers 62953, that's 62953, you'll receive the link and you'll be able to download the app right away. But on your app store, on your Android or Apple device, any mobile device, you can simply go to your app store, put in Courage for Life Bible, and it should pop up that way as well. All right. So the easiest way to do this is to text the word Bible B-I-B-L-E. That's the word. I know. Right? That's the book for me. Um, text the word Bible, B-I-B-L-E, to 62953. It even rhymes. I like it. Okay. Text mm-hmm. the word Bible to 62953. They'll send you a link to the Courage for Life Bible app, which you can then uh, download onto your phone, um, your other connected devices. Uh, here's what we want to encourage people to do, and We want to encourage people to do this um, in order that they would be absolutely prepared at any moment in time to share this resource with somebody that they meet. Like, that's my hope. My hope is that everybody listening right now will do this. And then when they meet a, uh, when they meet a person for whom this would just be absolutely the right gift of God's word at the right time, at the right point in that person's walk, um, they'll they'll be able to say, hey, look, I've got this app right here on my phone. Let's uh, let's get it on yours as well. Um, this has been such a, you know, it's such a blessing to hear God's word. Um, and, you know, these people are just going to read it to you. You don't even, you know, you don't even have to be a proficient reader. I think people are sometimes afraid to pick up and read the Bible or they're, they're, they feel ill-equipped. And this is a way for us to read with someone else. And reading the Bible with another person is so powerful. It absolutely is. And that's what we found, Carmen. It's been amazing in working with the people that we work with and the women that we work with. Uh, just like you said, many of these women, and we work with incarcerated women quite often, and many of these women are intimidated. When you give them a Bible, even if it's in uh, the New Living Translation, which is what this translation is uh, in our audio Bible, and that's what we tend to give our at-risk women because it is a more modern language, easier to understand translation. But even with that, it's very intimidating for these women um, who read on a lower reading level and simply don't trust themselves to understand God's word. Well, one thing we've added that is a bonus in all of this 
is we work with writers and theologians we create commentary that's very easy to understand but helps set the stage for each book of the Bible. So when you go to the app, you can hear the introduction to the Bible as a whole. It gives you a, a wonderful, very easy to understand introduction to God's Word. And then before each book of the Bible, you also have an introduction that sets the stage. Who was who wrote this book? Who was the original audience? Why was it written? What was going on at the time it was written? And how do I read this book? Just answering those questions of the who, what, when, where, why, and how about God's Word. When Ann White and I come back, uh, she's going to tell us a story about someone who, into whose hands and into whose heart the Word of God has now had the opportunity to speak through this particular resource so that we can understand the impact of uh, the Courage for Life audio Bible. Again, if you want to, to get, a, get a text of, uh, of a link to how to find this app, you just text the word Bible to 62953. The website is courageforlife.org. We'll be right back. One of the things I love about Ann White is that she is actually good at telling the stories of people whom she has encountered who have been touched by the Word of God through um, through the ministry that God has given her. And so, Ann, I'd love for you to tell us a story about the impact that you have seen of the Courage for Life um, Bible, this audio Bible that uh, is now available. And again, we want to tell people how to get it. You can either go to Courage for Life dot uh, org and find the information or you can look for the app courage for life bible or most easily you could text the word bible b-i-b-l-e to 62953 that's the word bible text the word bible to 62953 and tell us a story yes i would love to tell you a story and i'm going to tell you a story about tiffany because she we met tiffany and she had uh, was incarcerated in uh, jail in our local jail system and as we were leading one of our classes the courage for my life training which walks people through kind of their uh, mental health their relationship with the lord and and recovering for some of that past trauma as we put god's word into her hand and she began to learn to read and understand god's word there were several profound things that she said, and we see this in so many of these women. Um, as we get into God's Word, you know, it just, um, it's like a light bulb goes off, and we begin to realize the love, the unconditional love He has for us. And Tiffany said this to us. She said, you know, she said, when I first got in here, I really felt like God hated me. I wasn't worthy of Him. And she said, obviously, I didn't understand Him, but she said, now I know that I've been rescued, not arrested. He rescued me by allowing me to be here. She said, I thought he was punishing me for all the bad things that I, that I had done. She made poor choices, but uh, Tiffany was set up for those choices because of the things that had happened to her as a child. So much, so much trauma. But then she realized Instead of him punishing her, she he was allowing her these consequences to get her to a place where she could receive this love and compassion, this training and this ability to learn to read, study and understand God's word, a word that is healing her heart, strengthening her and giving her the courage for the life that God wants her to live today. So we've seen her come full circle. We've seen her and so many of these women 
see their hearts full of hope for their future where there was no hope, where they felt like they were nothing but victims. They're becoming victors where they felt like they were completely worthless. God has shared with them that they are valuable and have hope for their future. I'm wondering, Anne, my next conversation today is actually going to be with um, with with Terrence Lester, and he and I are going to talk mm-hmm. about um, his book, which is I See You, um, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, at some point in your life, people who are invisible to most of us, people who are um, in jail specifically, um, but who are really sidelined from all of uh, of of the places and spaces where most of us spend most of our time at some point mm-hmm. you became, you became not only aware of them, but your heart was really turned toward them. Um, t- talk about that. Absolutely. Talk about that transition in your own walk of faith. Carmen, it came from my personal journey and uh, a journey that I didn't even realize, um, you know, where I needed to be. But long story short, and I write about this in the book, Courage for Life. That was where kind of this entire journey began with um, with God. I became a Bible teacher and I had baggage that I've been carrying around. You know, so many of us go through things as childhoods. I grew up in a very dysfunctional home and uh, pulled out of that, you know, some some baggage of codependency and insecurities, um, fear of connecting, fear of being known. And so I developed all of these habits, these poor coping skills throughout my life. And even after being saved at 19, I still didn't know how to let go of those things. And so I I carried those around for 20 years. And as I dug deeper into God's word, he finally brought me to a place where I got to the end of me. I say that because I got to the end of my ability to care or stand up for myself. And I was just completely broken. And when I got there, he gave me the courage to come out and be transparent about the struggles I was going through, about the difficulty. And it turned into a ministry. You know, so often God allows us to go through things so that we can minister to others, so that our eyes will be open to the hurt and the pain. Um, Many of the girls that we minister to obviously have much more dysfunctional and painful past than what I had. But mine was enough that I went through and I could see how they got to where they were because I obviously saw how I was able to get to where I was. And so that gives you that compassion for another person. And I think that is where God opens our eyes. You know, the song, you know, open the eyes so I can see Give me your eyes, Lord, so that I can see what you see. That's my greatest prayer, and that's the privilege and honor that he's given me. I so appreciate um, what you're doing, and I I genuinely appreciate this new resource. Um, Again, you can find it at courageforlife.org. You can actually find uh, all of the resources that Anne has talked about today. But you can also just really easily get a link to download the app onto your phone or other connected device by texting the word Bible, B-I-B-L-E, to 62953. Again, this is an audio Bible that is voiced by women. Um, It's the first one that is uh, voiced exclusively by women. And we want to give a little shout out to our friend Phil Cook and Cook Media, uh, who helped make all of this happen. And thank you so much for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Have a wonderful day. What a joy. You too, dear. We'll be right back.
Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day. Okay, so my, I'm just going to completely and utterly and shamelessly reveal my bias right now for Chick-fil-A. So I, I was tempted to share with everybody that uh, a Chick-fil-A has now opened in reasonable driving distance from my house. Now, when you say that, reasonable driving distance from my house still means it's like 35 minutes away. But um, it's still closer than the last one, right, or the, or the next furthest one away. So although I'm still lobbying for a Chick-fil-A at my exit off the interstate or some exit near me, I, uh, I was going to share with you. That 250 people actually camped out at our new Chick-fil-A uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, despite flood warnings and and all kinds of like lightning strikes in the area. Um, so there was a new Chick-fil-A that opened here yesterday. So that is really like really really exciting. But Paul Perot then shares with me the news this morning that there's even bigger news oh, out yeah. of Chick-fil-A. Do you want to share it, or could I like have like just a little drum roll and then I'll share it? I'll drum roll. What do you think? <laughs> Chick-fil-A is rolling out mac and cheese nationwide. Oh, yeah. I mean, as if you didn't already have enough reasons to go there. I'm just saying, like, like real mac and cheese. I, I don't, mac I don't know. and cheese, yes. It, like real mac and cheese, yeah. not some weird mac and cheese, but like real mac and cheese nationwide at Chick-fil-A. So no longer do you just go for the chicken sandwich. You now can go for mac and cheese. Chick-fil-A, here's my know. wallet. Just keep it coming. Just keep it coming. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Okay, let me just remind everybody, this is non-commercial radio, so even though that might have sounded like a commercial, it was not. That was just a personal, I am a fan uh, statement. Is that fair? Did I cover myself there? All right, hey, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.